staff, a team, we have to work like a family. You know, we have to give respect. And, and that way we can get the best outcome. They are happy, the happy, happy team, happy staff, the better outcome. Today on JD Linen, we have an inspiring story of food and community. And we also have uh, a double dose of guests. I'm really excited to be chatting today to Chef Daman Srivastav and his daughter, Dia. Um, Daman owns India at Q by DD's Kitchen on High Street in Melbourne's Q, the eastern suburbs. Uh, but there is so much that Daman does. Um, He's an advocate, a mentor, a supporter of young chefs. He works at the Box Hill Institute of TAFE as a cooking lecturer. He's the president of the International Association of Gastronomy, Shanda Rotisseurs. And he's also doing a PhD at Swinburne, uh, developing a competency model for trainee chefs. Daman, I don't know how you fit it all in, but welcome and thanks for fitting in Dirty Linen. Thanks, Danny. Thanks, uh, thanks for inviting me to your uh, podcast. Great to be here. Really great to chat to you. And, you know, I've loved our encounters over the years at, um, you know, cooking shows and charity events. You always um, are doing something interesting and I guess with a lot of heart and soul. Uh, give us a sense of, you know, what it is that drives you in the industry and how you thread all these different, uh, different things that you do together. Yeah, Danny, just, uh, I think it's just start with the passion. We, we, we love the industry, been there for so long, um, more than 35 years. And uh, and we feel that, you know, it's time, it's, we're just giving back to the industry in any ways we can. So just this is what drives me all the way through, even though, you know, we run out of the time, the hours of the day, but somehow it fits in uh, all everything in there. I was actually surprised um, that you managed to fit in opening a restaurant because for, you know, so many people that is, you know, more than a full-time job in itself, but you have so much else going on. What was it that made you want to open India at Q? Well, uh, I wanted to, uh, a couple of things. I, I wanted to provide a authentic Indian cuisine in Melbourne, uh, upmarket as well. Uh, which was uh, what I feel uh, which is missing in Melbourne scene, uh, as well as giving a platform for the young kids to come uh, come and work here as well. So uh, in the same time, uh, we wanted uh, a commercial cooking for our charity, what we do. So it's just a mixture for everything, uh, and which has been very successful in a way that, you know, that's worked out well for us. That's, yeah, really interesting. I mean, tell us more about, you know, the the gap that you think you're filling. Like, you know, Indian food is, there's so much more diversity than there was 20 or 30 years ago. Uh, But what is it that you feel you're doing um, that isn't already uh, in the market? See, what what we are doing here at the moment is... uh, People go to Indian restaurant, they just go, they just know the butter chicken and lamb rogan joes, just very key dishes, which is available in the market, mostly in the restaurant. But what I bought here, a diversity of all the state's cuisine in India, because it's very, uh, very broad. Uh, Indian cuisine, very, very broad. A different states uh, is just like a country. Uh, it changes the color, uh, color, uh, their, what they wear, what they eat, the climate, everything. So, 
what I try to do uh, give a whole experience of Indian food uh, and based on that uh, I also su- uh, supporting in a way that um, our local suppliers using the local ingredients uh, all the produce uh, in our kitchen um, yeah what's a dish that you're really proud of that um, you, you know is a really good example of what you're talking about uh, see uh, I do uh, we do very good biryani here uh, which is uh, basically steamed we call dumb biryani uh, which is very popular here and uh, we have Lamb shanks, which is Nalini Hari, that's very popular. And uh, we do have a butter chicken, but that's very, um, very original. We do use um, uh, cashew paste and uh, honey and uh, very real ingredients. I also use in my cuisine, I uh, sort of uh, fire, smoke, um, clay, uh, clay clay pot cooking and you know leave it really authentic and original and then cutting the corners you know just making sure that you know uh, if it is called lamb we use lamb not mutton so the quality is very important and uh, when we're cooking food uh, fresh vegetables uh, uh, in a sense you know not using any frozen products so I think uh, it's all all come down to the quality and uh, consistency uh, what what we do here? Love it. Uh, and on the Box Hill TAFE side of things, cooking lecturer, like tell us about tell us what you've seen over the years in terms of I don't know the issues that young chefs are facing. You know what are what are, what's looming large for for them and for you at the moment? See, um, the things has changed over the years. A lot of things has changed um, uh, in Australia. Well, uh, from apprenticeship to one year full-time course and the competencies and the students comes out with um, basically uh, when we had the apprenticeship model which we still have um, they, the apprentices uh, they were more competent uh, in practical skills whereas uh, one year full-time students they were um, they were lacking the hands-on skills they might, uh, they might be more more better in theoretical st- skills but now we're getting a mixed bag everywhere, you know. The motivation is uh, lacking on the young kids uh, who comes down and I think it comes down to the young age motivation, young age, how they've been, uh, how, the, how their parents think about it. I think is uh, is uh, uh, what they want their kids to be. Do they want them to be, just go to university or technical colleges? Now, the competency gap is a major problem and, the, and that's effect, affecting the employability of the students when, when, they, when they get graduated for Certificate 3 commercial courses, for example. And, and the employers, they, they are saying, that, okay, we got the students who have Certificate 3 in commercial cookery, but uh, the students are not competent. I mean, there are so many reasons uh, behind that, you know, because, and then here comes the free tape. Government is trying uh, to fill that gap while uh, providing the courses to, uh, to community that, you know, um, to do the commercial cookery. But thing is, um, they are coming, is, uh, daddy, the thing is, anything, is, anything for free, there is no value. And that's a problem. 
you know the we we get the students everywhere then they're just coming to you know just coming to learn something maybe uh, they, they just want to change their career some of them they are serious mature age but some of them they are, they are just want to learn and feed their guests and their friends uh, and this this is where the gap they don't they don't go in the industry to work wow that's so interesting I haven't heard that perspective before that, I mean, because it, it seems like a great idea to make TAFE free. You just think, okay, you'll get people coming in that want to study. But I guess people, yeah, as you say, they can be in the course for their own reasons that aren't necessarily going to push the industry forward. Correct. Huh. That's really interesting. So, I mean, so what about what, let's say I go into TAFE and I encounter you as a teacher. How do you try to inspire me? How do you try to um, help me see hospitality as a, as a great option for, you know, a real l- lengthy career? Uh, well, uh, I give them a very simple example in my first class. Uh, that example is just myself. And uh, I just tell them, uh, I started as a, a trainee chef, trainee cook, I'd say, I must say. And um, that time in 1983, 1981, when I did my apprenticeship, first year, and uh, that time, you know, nobody wanted to go in the industry. And I said, I started as like yourself, guys, and I traveled the world. I, I continued to study, and now I'm still studying. And uh, when, they, when the people say that chefs are underpaid, I have not agree with that. I, I tell them, you know, if you work hard, if you make your place, if you, if you make your positions, it's a very well-paid job. But you have to be really working hard and try to reach your, your goals. And, uh, and then they, they do get inspired. A lot of, lot of students who... who, who join that industry or the courses and they never want to be chef they they actually join join the industry after the course and they're very successful especially the international students danny and the motivation of uh, there was a time where we were full of international students they just wanted to come uh, i i said not everybody but the majority of just wanted to come and stay here for pr but I used to tell them, listen, you, you came here to this country, right, and you spent so much of money, your parents spent so much of money to do this course. Why not you learn the skills? It will be helpful, you know, instead of going, uh, going to washing cars and, uh, you know, picking fruits in somewhere. And they listened. And then they, they, are, they are really good chefs in the industry now. A lot of them. So it's just like, as you said, inspiring telling the story, motivating them, telling them how good the industry is. It's, it's amazing. And it, everybody says it's a tough industry. Tough industry is what? Well, the me, me, medical is tough industry. Doctors and nurses are works 24 hours a day. Not only chefs. So it's just misconceptions. The chefs, only the chefs works hard. Okay, we work hard. Chefs work hard. That's fine. Hospitality. But there are some other industry there. They work harder. And, and uh, they have, uh, you no. Know, uh, people's life in their hand. So how about them? So I just give them the example that that's, uh, that's thought, you know. Uh, it's a hard industry. There's no weekends. And I say, no, but if you plan well, and uh, if you're in the right areas, you can plan your work-life balance. And so they understand. And I also tell them, 
it's not what you see in a, a master chefs or you know mk you know all those things um, there's nothing wrong with them we we had a lot of good ideas but it's not that easy too you know you have to make your space you have to learn and everything hard before is easy anyway so you know it's nobody's it's a skills and the skills can be learned as long as you have a good attitude to learn mm. and of course i mean a lot of chefs would say okay i I've learned, I want to learn the skills, but then when I go out into the industry, I'm not always um, treated with respect. Um, it's definitely still an issue in the industry, unfortunately. I mean, what do you do at India at Q that it ensures that people are learning, that they're nurtured, that, you know, sure, it might be hard and the hours, you know, the hours, what the hours are what the hours are, but um, what can you do to make it a positive and rewarding experience? I, yeah, in my place, it's such a beautiful place. Even I, everybody look forward to come here. I, see, in my place, nobody allowed to work hungry. The, when the moment they come in, they have to get fed. They have to eat first. That's the first thing. I, I even, uh, I try to hire the young kids, year 11, year 12, we are not trained. They get their school bags, they put in a changing room, come down, eat, change and the work. That's the first thing. They, they have to be comfortable. I like yesterday, uh, yesterday, last night things, we, we had two of our staff's birthday. Right? And I have a table sitting there. We, we thought we'd celebrate their birthday at five o'clock, uh, like when there's quiet time. And we had two tables sitting there. I went there personally. I said, excuse me, I have two of my staff's birthday. I'm giving this, we are giving a surprise birthday. We're cutting a surprise birthday. Okay, would you mind? They say, absolutely not. So they, they came, we, we, uh, we had their cakes ready outside, their gifts ready. They came out in dining room. We, we, we played a song and we cut the cake. So I think respect, uh, that's a staff, a team, they, we have to work like a family. You know, we have to give respect. And, and that way we can get the best outcome they are happy the happy happy team happy staff the better outcome they work from the heart as you know we are in the industry if the angry chef and the happy chef there's two different product comes out no matter whatever the quality of you know food is and whatever they use for the ingredients i think the mood is very very important when we're cooking food uh Daman, tell us about the PhD. What's what do you? What's your thesis? Well, PhD, my PhD thesis is the biggest problem we have at the moment, Danny. The, um, uh, my thesis topic is um, we are. I'm making. I'm having a competency model. So basically, a, a training competency model for the employability. That there's a gap uh, in our competency. That's in simple language. When the uh, student comes out, the employer says it's not fully competent, because uh, now that gap is not just a problem of the students. There's a curriculum. They, uh, there's a problem in the industry. For example, uh, if the students comes out from the TAFE college and is go- end up in a pizza restaurants, the pizza owner just want person to know about the pizza or the sushi, for example, or the bread shop. They want complete product. Where, where the training organization, they, they do not produce a complete product. They give a bits of everything. 
you know, the, the one size fit all kind of things. So this is my research area at the moment. And uh, hopefully I'll be finishing in this year. A lot of things comes out. I, I went to Europe and interviewed all, all the uh, deans of the college, the, the entrepreneur, the Michelin star chefs. Then I compared with the, uh, our Australian chefs and industries and training colleges, state colleges. So, yeah, and uh, this is what has come out, our training package, what we follow at the TAPE system at the moment. That's, in my research, my recommendation is a bit outdated. Uh, we have to look at the, because, uh, look at the new theoretical framework, which I'm suggesting in my research, because a few things has, a lot of things have been changed, especially after COVID, uh, and especially the mental health is not covered in our curriculum. So there are a lot of other recommendations. There were one of the major areas there. The students are not prepared how to, when they go in industry, how to deal with the pressure, mental pressure. So, yeah, this is one of the, more thing, one of the things that's come out, but there are many more recommendations are there in my thesis. Uh, hopefully, it will be out by September. So, yeah. Sounds so interesting and so rich. And yeah, of course, there are so many different aspects to having a successful career with longevity in the industry. And yeah, of course, that sort of mental, uh, being mentally equipped is um, is so important. It, yeah, you, you make me sort of remember a couple of um, recent guests. One of them is Jimmy Wang from Akami Group, who's opened his own educational institution, Oakleaf, um, partly because he feels that the chefs that are coming through aren't trained in Asian cuisine sufficiently. So um, it's, it's, you know, there's a, you know, he can teach, you know, all kinds of cooking, but definitely to have um, that competency in Asian cuisine. And um, the other person that um, you make me think of is um, Claire Fay from Voudemond, um, who's a, a senior sous chef there. And she spoke um, about the Dutch system that she went through, Dutch secondary school, where she's, they're able to specialise quite early on in a, in a career choice. And she, so she trained in hospitality, including a weekly restaurant um, right through high school. And you just think, you know, just to um, have, have that experience at a young age and to, you know, slowly build competency in all these different areas. It's just, uh, yeah, so different to what happens in Australia. Correct, yes. So, Daman, I really want to talk about Didi's Kitchen and I know that Dia, your daughter, is there. Should um, we get Dia on to explain to us what it's all about? Sure, sure. I'll hand over to Dia. Hello. Dia, hello. Thank you so much for coming to have a chat with us. Can you please, um, first of all, just tell us a bit about yourself? Um, wh- how old are you? And uh, My name's Dia Srimastu and I'm 10 years old turning 11 and I'm in year five. Amazing. And tell us about Didi's Kitchen. So Didi's Kitchen started when we started remote learning, home learning at home. And after I finished my home learning, I got bored. So then I asked Dad, what should we do? So we started some cooking and then we decided to do some videos and called it Dee Dee's Kitchen for Dad and Daughter Daman and Dia. 
And then we made the food and gave it to the international students and the homeless people and then started giving it to them and then started going to places and giving it to them. Really incredible. And I remember, you know, when we were in lockdown, seeing you guys um, do this amazing work. Tell us about, you know, the, the scale of these, um, this program, dear, because it wasn't just, you know, like a couple of people making a, curry, a one pot of curry, right? Yeah, it was a lot of people working together as a team, doing it together to give it to um, people so they could have things to eat, not only one thing. Yeah, amazing. So tell me some of the things that you learned while you were doing it. Um, the value of sharing and uh, also learning how to cook because I, I never knew that how to cook. So that time then I started liking cooking. Have you got something that you love cooking the most, like a favourite dish? Yeah, I like in dessert, I like pavlova and in um like savory i like um lasagna oh what a good what a good menu right there <laughs> so dear is Didi's kitchen still operating yeah we have um videos on youtube what's in Didi's cooking show and the restaurant's called india q by Didi's kitchen and what's the charity um operation at the moment are you still making food for for people in need yeah so yeah so every second sunday we go to Colin, collingwood neighborhood house and set up um food uh packed up food uh some groceries and we give it to people that come over and get some groceries yeah, really incredible. I mean, you said it's helped you understand the value of sharing. Um, does it make you want to do things? Does it make you think about the future in a different way? Yeah, yeah. Like becoming a chef when I grow up and helping people, giving people food it would, who's in need and needs food so they don't um, live without food and we give them food so they live longer. Yeah, so amazing. Um, I think, you know, the pandemic and all the lockdowns were overall not good, but there was some really amazing things that came out of it, including Dee Dee's Kitchen. So, yeah, I'm really impressed with the work that you continue to do, dear. Um, do you want to put your dad back on? Yes, Danny, I'm here. Great. Um, so, Daman, Dee is obviously a very special person. Um, tell us what it's been like for you to uh, do this together. Oh, well, it's so it's very, so so important for us. And uh, I think we feel very blessed. We started just two and a half of us uh, from the home in 2019. And it's, uh, we started feeding the international students, going uh, into colleges who were, you know, they were locked in, putting the food out. And it's grown so much. Now, we run three programs, one in Yara City Councils, uh, City of Vitalsi and City of Burundara. I feed about, um, let's say, five to thousand families per fortnight. Uh, it's a good thing in said that they brought the community together, the community in need, uh, even the community who helped. 
and that was fantastic to see like in during the covid everybody was struggling uh, whole community even the people who were donating food they were struggling but they got together and we helped one another and that still continues there is so much of need now interest rates is going up all the things are going up people are struggling a lot of people are struggling silently because of their pride they don't they don't speak out there uh, but we approach people uh, we silently help the families who don't want to be known uh, who don't want to come and stand in queue for example uh, we have those families as well um, life changes and you know and covid is the biggest example live example of all of us anything can change in any moment we have to understand and as dd's kitchen um, we we help uh, we help the community but more than that we help ourselves like giving or sharing is is makes us calm makes us feel happy makes all our volunteers feel happy because they are sharing and they're giving who comes to our uh, our charity and hand over the food and pack and you know clean up they just come for one reason they are actually helping themselves they said we feel so good we feel happy when we share things so i think that's a that's a beautiful things and uh, same thing we do uh, we apply in our uh, india at q because this restaurant uh, one of the reason i also bought it because i needed the commercial kitchen for my charity and because uh, we have the kitchen in collingwood neighborhood house that's electrical stoves and the quantity of food we were cooking that were not enough and that's another reason i bought this restaurant so i can cook for the community on weekend for example whole friday and saturday we do the all the bulk cooking packing in this kitchen and then we take that we we store the food we have a big cool rooms here so that's made it very easy while uh, we running the commercial operation here and this also makes us feel our staff feel who are working for india at q by dd's kitchen that they are not just working to earn money they are actually working to serve the community as well and that's a great feeling when they are cooking and they're packing food as well while they're serving uh, and at the same time they're serving the high quality food at this restaurant uh, daman i can see it's very clear obviously that dear is um growing up with these incredible values uh was there someone in your early life was there an experience or an eth- or ethics that um took you down this path of of giving and sharing and community Yes um in my career um I worked there was a time in 1989 uh, uh, I worked in Baghdad Iraq uh, I was the executive chef of one of the hotel in Baghdad and that gulf war broke out if you remember when Saddam Hussein attacked Kuwait and America attacked Iraq and I was in there and I have seen thousands and thousands of families women and children burned to death with the crude missiles that time uh, i used to take food from the hotel unused food and uh, help help those family uh, who were hiding underground while all the men were fighting on the border uh, and that was a turning point um, for me i you know seeing that you know the people who were eating caviar and foie gras and crayfish with a gold leaf 
and the same people were eating from the bin. So um, I started from there helping people. Then I moved to Jordan uh, after the war. And Jordan, uh, I was helping them. Uh, my residence was just a stopover point for all the families who were fleeing to different countries through Amman, Jordan. Um, while, so, and everybody know, okay, if you're going to Amman, Daman is there, uh, stay over, and then they, they, they go to other countries. Um, yes, that, uh, during that time in, in Baghdad, I worked with Mother Teresa as well. So I was fortunate enough to, um, she came down to open a few church, churches uh, which were bombed that time. And um, working with her for a couple of days, uh, cleaning the church and, you know, doing all the, that, that also inspired me uh, to do this um, um, humanity work, what I was doing. Um, I was homeless at one time uh, in, um, when my, um, my marriage breakup, so I slept in a park a couple of days. So that also a turning point for me to feel how it's like uh, when you sleep uh, without roof. So the few things happen in my life. Uh, so since last 20 years, actually, I used to cook a pot of food and go under the bridge near the sea life now, aquarium. Uh, that's, that's a place where the, all the homeless come in there. I, I used to feed uh, every, every Sunday uh, under the bridge. So yeah, there's a few incidents happens in life. Uh, I grew up in a middle class family with the four four kids, four boys. You know, my my father used to do two three jobs to feed us in India uh, to give us a good education and um, uh, feed. So every evening, uh, all four four uh, four brothers and mom, uh, we used to wait for the sound of my dad's um, bike that he's coming, he might bring some food. So food is so important. And luckily I was fortunate enough to get into this career where uh, I have access to the food. I can cook food. I can serve food. Whether I'm being paid for that or whether I don't get paid for that. So this is what I'm doing at the moment. I'm running a business. Uh, which is uh, India at Q, where I get paid for my work, but food is there. I have a charity where I don't get paid for it, but there's a food. Food is so important. We cannot eat dollars and uh, no, pounds every night. At the end, we have to eat food, no matter how rich, how poor people eat. And that's why we say food is basic human right. Everybody should have access to the food. Without doubt. Wow, Daman, so inspiring and beautiful. And I'm sure that, you know, the people that you create food for that you're giving away, I'm sure it's made with the same quality, love and care as the food um, in your more upmarket restaurant. And I think the respect in that, um, yeah, I'm sure that's transmitted along with um, the warmth and and the beautiful flavour. Absolutely. So, Daman, if I come to your restaurant, which I plan to do, what will you feed me? I will feed you, uh, see, off the menu, on the menu, 
and fill you with lot of love. So that that's 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 the thing, you know. We we keep, we create a very humble environment here. It's upmarket, but uh, all like all the staff they are so friendly. Uh, we are the chefs comes out and serve, you know. Uh, it just it's just so relaxed, you know, and, and the people just come here. We don't have a second seating or third seating. We don't push the people out. We just come down, relax, sit back and relax, you know. We'll, we'll take care of it. So this is our, you know, philosophy. And they, sh- they should go back uh, with a big smile and say, yes, that's, that's a place, you know. We had a good food. The moment we entered, we were respected. I think that's very important. We were respected all the time. And we, even we have one small item or we had a whole banquet, doesn't matter. You are, you are our guest, you came to our house, you know, we look after you. And this is our, this is the way we work. And Love on the menu. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Um, Daman and Dia, thank you so much for sharing with us today. It's been an absolute honour to um, learn more about your story and the important work that you do. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you, Danny. And thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.